and welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know, you know what, pretty much everything about technology, with the exception of the cybersecurity things that I think we might dive into today. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and you know what, I know even less than Laura. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. And today, Gabby, who are we talking to? Today, we're talking to Huxley Barbie. He is the organizer of the B-Sides NYC Security Conference and a security evangelist at Run Zero, a company founded by Metasploit creator H.D. Moore that helps companies discover unmanaged devices for asset inventory. Huxley, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. So we kind of like to start every episode with learning a little bit more about our guests. So just tell us how you got into this sort of um, the sphere that you're in right now. Yeah. So I think there's two ways to answer that question. One is how did you get into this and how did you get a job doing this? And going back to, to my misspent youth, I, I got into cybersecurity uh, doing, let's just say, the wrong things. But in terms of getting a job in the industry, I was a system administrator and a network administrator at a small mom-and-pop reseller when I was still in undergrad. And because I had the most knowledge around networks, I was also given the responsibility of installing firewalls and, and things like this. And, you know, one of the the earliest things I did in the industry was to run a scanner of my own company's network. And I found an errant or unknown, I think it was an FTP server running off of the the Mac of the president of the company. And that was, that was a very memorable moment. And also, uh, I came across the radar of the president of the company. So it was a great way, great way to get visibility into uh, get visibly within your organization. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say that for everyone who's listening, you can't see this, but he's wearing this sweatshirt um, that represents his company and I'm jealous. So if you want to share some swag with us, we're always open to it. And it would look a little bit cooler if you wrote that tech pod underneath of it. I'm just throwing that out there. I think that's something that you should know to start. But you know, since our listeners can't see you, we won't bore them with these exciting details. And instead, let's dive into cyber. So your background is super interesting and why we wanted you to come on the show. And there's been a lot of cyber things happening, not only in the last like few years where it's been more publicly known, but super, super recently. So let's talk about it. One of the things that recently happened was that Putin was giving a speech. And during the speech, there was a blackout um, on these TV channels and it was crazy um, do you know what I'm talking about before I dive into this? And can you tell us about it if, if you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that particular incident. And really, really, this is the latest in a series of incidents that really started, I think, back in 2013. I think back in 2013 is when various actors from Russia and Belarus Belarus and Ukraine have gone at each other. Of course, things escalated quite a bit since 2022 with the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, but 
this has been ongoing. We like to say that the war in Ukraine started in 2022, but really the cyber aspect to that war started before that. And the, the financial aspect of that war also started before that. And what I find most interesting about the Ukraine wars, this is a recent but prominent example of how physical warfare and financial warfare and cyber warfare are working in tandem. And it's very interesting to see how the these three different approaches to warfare uh, are playing together. And of course, culminating in probably one of the most embarrassing, embarrassing things for the leader of Russia, I mean, <laughs> that his State of the Union address got, um, got canceled on him uh, midway through. Yeah. How do you think how do you think the war in Ukraine has like shaped or changed cybersecurity globally? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because you have both state sponsored actors as well as non-state sponsored actors participating in warfare. So for example, allegedly anonymous participated in a hack. Uh, on Russia, where I think at one point they they might have disrupted the traffic, as in like automotive tra- traffic in, in the streets of Moscow and things like this. Um, you know, this this they obviously anonymous doesn't take orders from anybody, and so they just decided that as part of their activism, activism, this is something they wanted to do. And so that's that's an interesting part of it to see that how state actors and non-state actors are not not necessarily working together, but you know working in parallel towards a, a common goal for the time being, right? So that's that's one very interesting thing to look at uh, in terms of that type of thing. We're also seeing large-scale attacks on non-military targets, right? The Russian power grid and railways were were disrupted. Russian uh, television was disrupted and and things like this. It goes far, far beyond what people would consider uh, traditional, if there's anything, any such thing as traditional hacking, Uh, but it it goes beyond the the usual targets that you would think of, right? Defacing websites, denial of service and, and things like that. But but attacks on the OT environment, operational technology environment, or industrial control systems, ICS systems that that run different parts of a country or a municipality. So disrupting those types of services that have real world and material impact to people going about their everyday lives. And of course, we're seeing this all, all throughout the rest of the world as well. We, we have it in the United States as well. But it's very interesting to see this being a one tactic in cyber warfare that you would do this to the enemy, disrupting their their infrastructure, not just not just fighting them on the battlefield or just or defacing some websites or things like this. I'd like to play a quick game with you. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. And okay. I want you to give us two truths and a lie. And Gabby and I will guess which ones are the two truths and which one you're lying. But they have to all be like cyber related. Like uh, examples, I hacked into Russia myself. I am currently hacking you right now. And I don't, 
use technology at all, whatever. These are really bad examples, but can you give us three examples, cyber-related or tech-related to truths and a lie? And Gabby and I are going to guess what's true. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let's see, I got I got two already. Let me. Um. I love these games. Okay. All right. So. All right. So okay. So no, tell us three you, statements. You can see me, so I have to. I have to make sure I have a poker <laughs> face before. Yeah, yeah. Get that poker face. Get ready. Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna look to make it more harder for me. Okay. So I, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna look for sure. Okay. <laughs> My first scanner was called Satan. That's number one. Okay, number one. Okay. I was present when Fyodor announced or had a session uh, at DEFCON where he was introducing NMAP. And my first offensive security activity was over dial-up. Gabby, do you want to guess the lie? I obviously think I'm going to guess the lie. I feel like they're all very specific, but I think I'm going to go with one is a lie. Number two is definitely the lie. I want to say number two is the lie. Number three feels true. Number three feels so true. <laughs> it's definitely true. If number three is the lie, I'm actually yeah, I know. like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. All right. Uh, so which was the lie? The, the lie was the one about dial-up. Oh my god, it was number three. Oh my god. He got us. He got us. So wrong. Damn. Damn. That was good. That was well. All right. Well, tell us tell us uh, the story behind one of the one of the two truths. Yeah. You can pick. You can choose. Oh, well, you know. So I I didn't I I was I was an undergrad and a buddy of mine and I just we drove out to Las Vegas for an early DEF CON and I wasn't really choosing the different sessions, but I just, I was at one point at a session where I saw a Fjordor just, he was sitting at a table at the front of the room and he was just talking about this tool called MMAP. And it was very new at the time. It was, it was that, that was that there's nothing all that remarkable about it. It's the craziest story we've ever heard on the show. I'm like, <laughs> right. That's that would be my lie and truths and a lie. So I wanted to bring up another kind of big thing in cyber, and we wanted to really get your opinion on. So this is from CNN. The U.S. military is investigating a leak of emails from the Pentagon servers. A researcher reported that um, the command, the U.S. military special operations command, was leaking a trove of unclassified email data on the Internet. The command initiated an investigation into information we were provided about a potential issue with the command's class. Service. So that's what spokesperson uh, Ken McGraw said. So what what do you think about this incident right here? And how do you think that ties in with that kind of like ramping up of cyber attack? Not a surprise. I, I challenged the characterization that it's a cyber attack. And and ironically, our, our government goes through the trouble of making sure that they have a completely segregated cloud from from uh, ones that would be used by, by, by the private sector only 
only to end up, you know, having all this information leaked due to uh, negligence. Um, so for me, what this incident does is really just be yet another example of how the biggest enemy or the most important enemy or the the enemy that you need to worry about the most is not those malicious hackers who are who are scanning you and, and attempting to exploit vulnerabilities with on your network. Although, you know, they're important and you should deal with them and, and this and that. But the biggest or one of the biggest issues for any organization are the employees, right? And I'm not even talking about the disgruntled employee that you know, trashes everything on the way out or, or what have you. I'm just talking about people being people, people losing their laptops, people sending confidential information via email to the wrong person. Or in the case here of, of this here with SOCOM's cloud data storage, right? This is this was on Azure, I believe. And they had an Azure data data store. And somebody just misconfigured the permissions on it so that it was public. And if you look at, for example, last year's Verizon data breach incident report, uh, the VZDBIR, it, I believe the statistic was 82%, 82% of breaches involved the human element. Some of this is, of course, uh, people getting breached through social uh, or people getting duped through social engineering and things like that. But errors, misuse are, are part of that 82%. And in fact, they also say that the third most common action vector is carelessness. After after being hacked through the web or through email, the third one is just people being people and not not always not always being ex cognizant or conscientious as they should be about data protection and, and things like this for their organization. And this is one of the reasons why I say that one of the most important parts, foundational pieces to any security program is employee awareness training. And it's not just like those videos that you watch to say, you know, don't click on links in the email. But for the people who are in, who are in charge of this data store in Azure, the, the, the people in like, I don't know, SOCOM IT or, or security, it's, it's so important for them to be really conscious of the consequences, the security consequences and ramifications of these permissions that they're setting on these cloud resources. All too often, it's only a matter of time before a business will suffer a cyber attack. The potential impact of cybercrime requires that cybersecurity be viewed as a business risk rather than a simple IT issue. Fundamentally, an organization's reputation is on the line as a cyber attack may impact business operations, financial integrity, and legal exposure to its customers and partners. In order to adequately address the risks from large and complex cybercrimes, it is critical that organizations develop a strong crisis management strategy. From incident response to forensic investigation, to litigation and regulatory response, EY privacy and cyber response professionals from the EY forensics team are available to assist organizations against the most challenging cyber attacks. Learn how the EY forensics team can help you mitigate risks and improve your cyber response at www.ey.com backslash forensics. Now, back to the show. Actually, 
do you think we're about to have World War Three? I do not think so. Would you just call it a different war or you just think we're safe? No. Oh, we are so not safe. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, if if you look, especially looking at our OT infrastructure throughout our country, I mean, yeah. it is like from a from the attacker's perspective, right? Over the last couple of decades, there's been a lot of attention paid to the IT environment of various organizations. There have been a lot of tools that have come out of the private sector uh, to to protect traditional corporate environments. So we have endpoint protection on all of our laptops and servers. We have firewalls that are protecting the edge. We have anti-phishing that's helping to make sure that uh, people aren't duped into uh, being being uh, being tricked uh, as a way of allowing the attacker in. There are security analytics tools to analyze all sorts of things that are going in the corporate environment. But if you look at the OT environment or the ICS environments, there is just so little there. And in many cases, you have these devices that are that are operating our water treatment plants, our recycling plants, our you know oil rigs, uh, our our railways, and all, all sorts of you know, that really sort of heavy industry type of thing. Um, and some of these devices just sit there online for decades. I think, you know, looking at the healthcare space, I think the FBI released a report that says, says many of the devices that are used in, in healthcare environments are just online for 20, 30 years. And uh, I heard from some somebody else anecdotally that in ICS environments, you're looking at devices that just sit there for 50 years at a time these are running really old operating systems they have that a pro that more than likely i'm going to say like i'm very very sure that have not been kept up with patches or security protections that you you see in traditional it environments so um right around 2005 ish these ot environments which were kept on a completely separate network were overlaid on top of traditional IT networks or uh, internet protocol networks in order to streamline management and and uh, as well as connectivity. But what it also meant was now you have this this traditionally unprotected environment now exposed to not just somebody who's like walking by the power plant, but now exposed to uh, an attacker that is potentially ten thousand miles away. And that that is this this brand new attack vector that is just, you know, to, to borrow a business term, low hanging fruit for the attacker. And so, no, no, there is no reason why you should feel safe. <laughs> no reason why you should feel safe. But this also doesn't that also doesn't mean it's going to be World War Three anytime soon. Right. Mm -hmm. Knock on wood. Right. Yeah. Let's all find some wood to knock on. Oh. No, that kind of that's I mean, this is why we really like cyber episodes because they kind of scare us as you were talking i was just like envisioning just like you know attacks on like we've already seen sort of attacks on meat packing uh like, jb pulse the meat yeah. so is that what it's called the meat one or am i thinking of you know how they have like the competitor to bose is also like jbl oh. pulse but then there's the meat the meat one shout out I forget the meat one to be clearly honest. clearly don't know their name but do you 
have you ever uh seen the show the last of us huxley are, are you watching that i HBO right now everyone's watching it huxley so you should if you aren't you know what we we should have played two truths and a lie that didn't have to do with cybersecurity. so here's the truth i don't have a television and, oh. and, and and my family we don't subscribe to any streaming service okay so, so i've i've so, heard of this show the last of us i've not watched it so, i mean i'm guessing you haven't played the what? game either no right because it's a game well okay so here's so i'm not spoiling anything the main premise is that it's like a zombie post-apocalyptic show and essentially instead of like your average like oh there's a virus that uh there's definitely a virus in this one it's not a virus laura it's bacteria okay it's It's a fungal bacteria so similar so similar no the world is over the world is ending Okay, so so it's a fungal bacteria that's like actually something that happens in animals right now. Like there's an ant thing where like this bacteria basically like takes over. The, it's like it's a true thing. Just Google it later. My point in this <laughs> is that what is kind of like your like, what are you kind of scared of that? Like in a cyber sense that could bring us to some sort of post-apocalyptic reality. And it doesn't have to be like too true. Like, you know, it can be out there, but like, what are you thinking of right now? That's just like cyber post-apocalyptic stuff. Let's make a movie about the end it. Of why, why are we getting so morbid here? I know. I know. We're just like in this mood. That's, right now. that's kind of just how the podcast <laughs> is going. Just like embrace it. It's a positive yeah. darkness. Well, I mean, listen, half of <laughs> half of all of our social security numbers were stolen back in 2017 uh, with the with the Equifax hack. So, I mean, mm-hmm. h- how much worse do you want it to be? Like we you just you got to really get some streaming sites and you'll you'll see how much worse we want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, all right. On the that's that's a good point. On the flip side, why should we not be scared? How about that? Why should we not be scared? Um, no, we should be scared. Like I said, <laughs> like I said, okay. we should be scared. No, seriously, the, our, yeah. There's so much of what operates our infrastructure is exposed, in my opinion, and you know that this type of these types of attacks on these types of targets mm-hmm. are are definitely on the rise. So the probably probably the ones that are most concerning are the ones where the attackers ransom some equipment at a hospital that is providing life-giving care to patients. Mm-hmm. Right. There have been some instances where patients have died. Yeah. As as a result of this. And that's that's very scary. It's not a large scale attack of any sort. But if, if you're the family member of somebody who's at a hospital, like I, I would be worried. You just okay. made it morbid now, Huxley. Sorry. Tables have turned. No. Um, Huxley, tell us a little bit about uh, B-Size NYC. Sure. There was a time when there, there weren't as many security conferences and there, but, but there were a lot of great speakers who had great ideas that they wanted to share. And so 
some individuals, uh, Jack Daniels, Chris Nickerson, and some others uh, got together and created a framework for regional security conferences in order to give more opportunities to folks throughout the, uh, well, at first throughout the United States, but uh, later expanded to the rest of the world. And so there are lots and lots of these regional conferences around cybersecurity that are for security practitioners and by security practitioners. Uh, there are no attendees. There are, uh, they're called participants because everybody's expected to participate at the conference, whether, whether you're a speaker or whether you're somebody who's listening, but also asking questions, participating in, participating in the conversation. And it's regional. So there's like a B-side San Francisco, B-side Las Vegas. And uh, I happen to be the organizer for B-sides New York City. And the conference sort of fell off due to COVID. And so we've been on quite a hiatus. And uh, I, I took I took over the conference uh, late last year. And so we're bringing this back. We're probably one of the, the last casualties of COVID here in New York City. Um, you know, many people thought that New York City was just like done for, that there's going to be this mass exodus and it's just going to be a ghost town due to the pandemic, but the new, but the city's back. And, and so is this conference and we're going to be better than ever. Um, bringing together. I love this folks around cybersecurity. Yeah. Right here in your yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I love to participate. So the um, next conference is, awesome. is on April 22nd. Perfect. 2023. And if anybody's interested, just go to our website, bsidesnyc.org, and you can get all the information there. That's amazing. You've heard it here first. At the yes. Huxley, you've been amazing. <laughs> so, all right, last last question, because I feel like we can we can probably just like ask you cyber questions all day that match our mood right now. So <laughs> let's I'll I'll bring it back. So last question. What is what is let's end on an optimistic note. What's the thing that excites you the most about cybersecurity? What excites me the most? It's it's actually more about risk management for me. I I really see cybersecurity as one aspect of risk management. And mm. maybe this is great as as truth truth in the lie, but I actually find risk management to be a very interesting topic, <laughs> which I would have definitely said you were lying about that. <laughs> yeah, no, the, but it, it it actually is the the other the other part of it is when when you're involved in cybersecurity, you you get to be exposed to really well. Many of us are exposed to cool technology, but you get to be exposed to like different ways that the technology is different ramifications of that technology. So, for example, I have this device in my hand. It is called a Flipper Zero. And I can use it to copy a hotel key card, uh, a, a key fob for for a building. This is the scariest, most exciting thing ever. I can I can use it to copy uh, credit cards. Although although uh, it doesn't get the CVV code on the back. I've seen others use this to get onto a metro system in a different country. And so, and this has lots and oh. lots of uses. Like I've actually seen somebody use this to turn on and off televisions, like as a, as a remote, no uh, start a car remotely, all that stuff. But it, it has the ability to copy signals, all sorts of signals, NFC, RFID, and all sorts, all sorts of signals like that. 
And this is the part of technology that is, is not something that everybody uses, but it's so fascinating about the different ways you can use technology if you're able to get underneath the hood, find out how it works and reverse, reverse engineer the way, the way uh, it's operations. So that that's, that's the other part of it. I remember once, I think the statute of limitations had passed, uh, but like I I'm from New York, but I was in undergrad in Los Angeles. And at the time, if you remember long distance phone calls took lots and lots of coins, right? Um, it was, it was expensive to make long distance phone calls. And I was, I was able to, to make a device that would simulate coins dropping into a payphone. I'm totally incriminating myself right now, but it, this it is would, incredible. It, it, and this is not nothing like special. Like a lot of people know how to did, did know how to do this thing. You don't need to do this anymore, but I would simulate the, the quarters going into the payphone, which allowed me to, to that's impressive have a conversation at uh at a very low cost let's say yeah so you know Amazing. these are really cool things that you can i mean do that's when, cool <laughs> when you're involved in cybersecurity, right uh, a lot of this is just being a child at heart i feel like Ooh, i like that <laughs> well huxley thank you so much for being with us i know this was this was a weird one thanks for going with it on along this journey with us uh we really appreciate it Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is quite enjoyable. Thanks. <laughs> I hope so. So, Laura, Kev, we just talked to Huxley Barbie, um, organizer for B-Sides NYC Security Conference, and he's also um, a cybersecurity expertise, um, if that's a word. Uh, just, yeah, tell me your tech takeaways. Kevin, start us off. I thought this was, you know, kind of a pretty scary episode to a certain degree. You know, part of it reminds me there's this webcomic XKCD. There was one that was like about dependencies and it shows like this really complicated infrastructure plan. And it has basically like modern infrastructure all, you know, all the way through. And then on the bottom it has like this one random stick that is one random side project that a person in Nebraska has been maintaining themselves since 2003. And it's just like one of those things where like he made me think of that, where I'm just like so many things are exposed and so many things are just out there. There's like one random guy maintaining that it's kind of, you know, gives me like so much angst and, and, and makes me un uncomfortable. And so for me, this was definitely one where I was like, you know, I don't like it in there. And so there's definitely mm -hmm. a few things that he said that definitely were, that got me to the core. <laughs> Gabby, were you feeling the same as Kev? Sure was. Yeah, no, it was definitely, um, definitely a little scary, but I thought it was like super interesting. I almost wish that like I knew a lot more about cyber so i could ask a little bit more specific questions but i really liked um kind of his outlook of like risk management even though that like sounds boring it's like actually pretty interesting and exciting if you really look at it so laura what did you think i mean i'm just really glad to know that he doesn't think we're gonna have world war three so that was a big positive um, but it, uh, Cyber One's like data privacy are always kind of scary and exciting episodes. I think we could keep these people on forever and just ask them millions of questions. And it's tough because we have to kind of say, what is this episode about? And I just want to say, just can we just say cyber? Because I want to ask so many questions. And I think we'll definitely have to bring him back on to dive more into some of these. But 
but it was a very interesting conversation. If you are listening and you are interested in hearing more cyber episodes or you want to hear less cyber episodes or you have any episodes specific that you want to talk to us about, reach out to us directly at contact at that techpod.com. If you haven't already, you should swing on over to www.thattechpod.com. And enter your email, subscribe to us, see what's going on. Make sure you are up to date with the latest uh, That Tech Pod gear, That Tech Pod episodes, and That Tech Pod everything. If you can't get enough and you still want some more, check us out on LinkedIn slash That Tech Pod, Instagram, TikTok. We're terrible at social media, but we still appreciate you and do our best to be there. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast, and write us a five-star rating and review. We would love you forever, and we will see you next time. See you next time. See you.